0: Our text this morning is the, uh, is the epistle reading, the first chapter of Colossians. I want to uh, bring you back to verses 19 and 20. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, this is going to seem like a silly question, but uh, how is it possible that a blindfold could uh, rescue you from darkness? So, you think about that even for a second, you say, eh, there's something wrong with that. All right, but this is, it sounds impossible and improbable, but it actually worked for me once. Now, um, when, when I was in uh, flight training, one of the uh, horrible tortures they put me through was they stuck me in a, what they called a helicopter dunker. Now, uh, it's not actually a helicopter, but they have this gigantic pool that's really, really deep, and they have a, a big barrel that's laid out on the inside like, like the, the working part of a helicopter. So you got two seats in the front and a bunch of stuff in the back with a couple of seats. Uh, and they stick you in there, um, and then they drop this bloody thing in the water, and then they roll it, because it's on chain, so they can roll it to any particular angle they want, and then you have to find your way out. So, you know, the, the, the first time you do that, you, you just have to go out the nearest window, and the second time you do that, you still gotta go out the nearest window, you, of course you have to change seats, but uh, you gotta do it blindfolded. So basically, what they do is they let you see what kind of thing you got to do with your eyes open underwater, holding your breath and otherwise not panicking, uh, and then uh, then you got to do it blindfolded. The third one, eyes open again, you got to go out the cargo door. Everybody, there's four guys in this thing. You all got to go out the cargo door, uh, and then the, the fourth one is the big test where you got all four of you go out the cargo door with blindfolds on and try not to beat each other up too bad. All trying to get out through the same door. Now, that seems like craziness to me at the time, uh, but, you know, there was training. Uh, In the end, what happened is I could do it after, you know, like 15 times or something, but uh, I I was still a little scared of the water at the time, but I did get through it. But see, now, the, the reason I say this worked is because even now... Uh, if if I'm in the dark, uh, I can just close my eyes like I got a blindfold eye. I mean, if you're in the dark, it doesn't matter anyway, but uh, I always close my eyes, and then I can find my way because I remember what rooms look like. Uh, This is part of the training, and I remember uh, how to find my way by feel, and, and it worked really good. So basically, being blindfolded in that bloody helicopter trainer helped me find my way out of darkness even now. Training, I suppose. That's what they said it was. <laughs> um, now, I'm, I'm saying this because here's Paul telling the Colossians that the, their cure for darkness is a bloody death. Now, that seems a little off, too, because how could a bloody death cure you from being in the darkness? Uh, but that is essentially what he says here, as you can reasonably expect, that doesn't follow well for normal thinking people. And I'm sure they had their problems with this, but Colossae had other problems. Uh, you know, when Paul was talking about them being in darkness, that they had. Well, they, they lived in a pagan world Because Colossae. It was in uh, the Greek speaking part of Turkey and uh i mean we we call turkey now and they had idols all over the place and temples to the very many gods that they had and they all had their place and they all had their favorites and of course when you become christian which they all were working on uh you come out of paganism you don't go to the temples anymore and you got a whole different life to lead um but you know but that's where the darkness is and um They were trying to figure out how to escape that paganism. The problem is, uh, and I think you probably can understand this a little bit, is, is they were used to being pagan. They were used to doing things like they were pagan. They were used to going to places that were pagan. All their friends were pagan. So coming out of that and setting it aside entirely was difficult for them, and so they kept on... It's like new Christians do. They backslide and they slip back and they do stuff that they used to do and and it's it's a hard thing to shake off. And and the solution apparently to that darkness seems darker still if you're going to talk about the the thing that gets them out of that is that the son of God bled and died on a criminal's cross. Now it doesn't seem like somebody dying on a cross would help anything much and, and you know they're Uh, would you say, a little behind where we are here sitting, looking back on all of this. It's all brand new to them. And thinking of a crucifixion, which they knew very well because the Romans spent time doing that, uh, It sounds like something you do to criminals and to bad guys and to difficult people and murderers and savages, not salvation. So they had trouble. Now, I think we have to accept that Our own behavior uh, is very often full of sin and darkness. Now, uh, I I only say that uh, understanding that you may not be able to see that in yourself because you don't look at yourself and say, yep, I live in darkness and I am full of sin. I I mean, you don't really think like that. Um, But uh, at the same time, God says it a lot all the way back to the beginning. Uh, You can start with Adam and work up from there. He says that a lot about human beings. And I suppose you'd have to agree that if anybody knows what human beings are like, it would be the one who made them, um, would have to be the one we're expecting to come here uh, in power and glory to be our judge because he's the one who made us in the first place. He would know. And so even though we may not see ourselves like that very well, he does. And ultimately, if you don't believe God, you're in far more trouble than you can ever imagine, even, even if you are a sinner. I don't know if you are aware, but a lot of people in, in Jesus' day uh, I could go back a little bit before his time and a little bit after, I think. Uh, A lot of people died at Roman hands by crucifixion. It was was something that happened a lot. Uh, The worst criminals were punished that way. And and, and it's harsh, and it's torture, and basically you get nailed up on a cross, and you get to hang there for two or three days until you just kind of die, Uh, you can't breathe anymore, you're bleeding, you feel bad and you're out in the weather and just dehydrated and starving and and you die. It's horrible. Um, None of the rest of the crucifixions did anybody any good. I suppose you could argue about it being justice of some sort but it's still torture But, you know, uh, all those other people, ordinary people, were crucified and it didn't do you any good. Um, It it certainly uh, didn't offer you any forgiveness. So, how can the death of Jesus, looking so weak and powerless, do anything much different to save you? I think it's a reasonable question. Certainly, the one the Colossians were asking themselves. And I don't know if you think like that, but it's you know it's it's a lot like the other problem where you whether you see yourself or not this way. Um, it's it's still on our minds. So <laughs> here we are in, in this problem. Uh, it's not terribly difficult for you to recognize the mess that you make of your life sometimes. Uh, If you try to see it without Christ's intercession, then it looks much worse, or at least from God's side, the way he talks. uh, Such a death, if it stays in place, your doom is certain. It's, It's not a thing that you can escape by yourself. It's a problem. Sin leads to death. There are no exceptions in this world, except Jesus himself, who actually died too, but he didn't die of his own sin, he died from yours. And and, uh, so if you can't escape it, if Christ is denied, then such a death, such sin can't do anything but run you straight to the heart of condemnation, which is scary and difficult. But this, this letter from Paul to the Colossians is absolutely loaded with Christ as your savior. He's all over the place in there. Uh, you can see him a little bit here. He's just uh, a little cryptic about it. He, he, he rescued you from the rule he says the domain or the dominion of darkness a place that rules you absolutely but christ has rescued you ransomed you out of that rule of sin out of the darkness into his marvelous light as peter says later transferring you to his own kingdom and it's a kingdom of his son the kingdom of no condemnation the kingdom of without sin, the kingdom of holiness in Christ's blood from bondage to sin, all taken away. All its consequences lead only in this case to forgiveness, to holiness, to eternal life. That's what the bloody cross does. It may well seem that a cross, a criminal's punishment, and all the shame just attached is not any kind of solution to hell's condemnation. It would seem like that would be kind of pointless, but Jesus is different, as you know well enough. He had all authority to save you, He's God's Son. and and our God is not dead, like the son who was walking around in this world, he is alive and he is the God of the living. And while he was here, he was living. And when he died, he got up and he's still living. And that's the the same God who comes with authority to rescue you. So that God's son, who was the instrument of all creation, the one who made you and everything else, And on top of that, he still sustains it. So, you know, it doesn't look like anything sustaining you except maybe yourself all day long. But if God wasn't doing that, if the son of God was not doing that, then you would not be here at all. This is you. This is yourself. This is all of his people, all of creation, all of that in Christ. But you, he sees as his treasure, his child when he made creation, he called human beings on earth very good. The crowning glory of everything that he had made, which was made for you. Now, making this change that he's made in his bloody cross, nothing escapes his authority. Nothing. You can see Paul listing all the different kinds of authorities in the world. They're all under him because of what he has done not even death itself escapes his authority. He has even the ability to call that down too. He himself, the same one who created you, the same one with all authority, the same one who died for you, that one, he himself reconciled you and everything in creation to his father. That's what Paul says here. Everything that is, he gives to his father. Now, in your particular case, that would be impossible because sin cannot be with the Heavenly Father. It can't be in heaven. So He took your sin on Himself and killed it at the cross and rose from His death. So now His Father is also your Father. And by this same cross of blood and death, all of that contained therein. In His blood, of all things, as strange as that might seem, in His blood He made peace between you between you and your God. In that blood sacrifice, it happened. In that blood sacrifice, there is forgiveness of every sin, everything that you've ever done, everything that you've yet to do, all taken away, including victory over death itself for you, and the end of any possible accusation that might lead to hellfire. All gone in the bloody cross. Now, it doesn't seem like a bloody cross would be powerless or rather it kind of does look like it would be because if you end up on a cross, you're looking kind of helpless, kind of powerless. But this is different because uh, Christ is different. Uh, He has this great weight. Uh, If you can picture a scale of justice Uh, And all of the world's sin is on one side and the life of Christ on the other. He is the son of the living God, as I said, and he sits in that scale opposite the weight of sin and his holiness. And in his holy hands, that scale comes down. It's more than enough to overcome every kind of darkness that is in you. There is no power that is greater. There's no greater grace. There's no greater love to be demonstrated. There's nothing that remains except your salvation. There's this one thing that he says there in uh, in verse 15 that's a little strange. Uh, It's speaking of Jesus. It says that he is the image of the invisible God. Now, I mean, that goes by pretty easy, but I, I try to imagine how you can have an image of something invisible. You just kind of put that in your mind for a second. He says, How can you have an image of something that's invisible? Well, you can, apparently, because that's what Paul says Jesus is. He served when he didn't have to, came into the world specifically to do that, to serve you, to serve humanity as. Uh, a slave, so to speak, for sacrifice unto a cross. For the lost and condemned people that we are, for you and for me, he came. And that is a profound service for the Son of God to do when he did not have to do it. And he did it for sinners. That is God's love. Now, you, you, you can't see God, but you can see God's love in what Christ did, what Christ was, what he was carrying out in his life. You can see God's love now visible. You can see God's grace now visible. You can see God's holiness now visible in the image that Christ is, that God himself, in as much as Jesus was God died for you and in that he is the image of the invisible god so that you can know your father in heaven by the love of the son and the salvation that he has brought you amen and now may the peace of god which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in christ jesus amen